You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, it is hosted by myself, Mr. Matthew Baker, and the comedy magician, Mr. Louis Fox, across the table. Oh, yes. Thank you. Across the table. You make it sound way more exciting than across a uh, buffet table. Yeah. If you don't know what the Moisture Festival is, I'm very curious on how you found this podcast. And is it what you expected? Yeah. Were you Google? What were you Googling (laughs) that led you to this? But it is a festival that's dedicated to the variety arts and it is the largest variety arts festival in the entire world. Yes, the festival happens in March and April, and they have world-class variety acts, and they also host a week of burlesque shows. Yeah, so if you are listening to this during the festival in the months of March and April, like Louis said, be sure to buy your tickets now because 95% of the shows sell out. That's almost 100%. That's almost. <laughs> that's 5% less than 100 You can get tickets to all the shows by visiting the website moisturefestival.org, and you can visit them on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all the social sites, because they also have a few shows scattered Throughout the year. Yes. Yeah. They have fundraiser shows. They have some virtual shows and some pop-up shows. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The festival is dedicated to keeping the ticket prices to shows affordable, and they do that by relying on individual donations. Yes, so you can go to moisturefestival.org, hit the donate button, and that's, that tells you how you can donate your time or financially. Absolutely. And today we are very happy to have... Mark Hayward as our guest. Yes, Mark Hayward joins us all the way from Wisconsin, right? Yes, he is in Wisconsin. We don't know where he is currently, but at the time (laughs) we did the phone interview, he was located in Wisconsin. Yes, and we talk about yo-yoing, we talk about spin top, and a little bit about cheese. Yeah, we also go over every aspect of his career from being a motivational speaker that took him all the way to speaking at TEDx. 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 Yes. Which is extreme. (laughs) Uh, It's a lot of fun. Great conversation with a very insightful and amazing performer. Let's get to the interview with Mark Hayward. Let's do it. Today's guest is one of my favorite variety acts working today. He's been on the Late Late Show with David Letterman twice. America's Got Talent, the NBC Nightly News. He is a speaker, a yo-yo world champion, a spin top champion, a cool guy, and one of the only people that looks good with a soul patch. Ah. We have Mark Hayward. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, what a sweet introduction. That's so nice. Thank you. Uh, now I I've known you for a while and you you don't rock the soul patch anymore. What happened? I don't. Well, you know it was a, <laughs> that was a progression. I, back when I was right before I was a full time entertainer, I worked in a retail job and you had to shave clean every single day unless you were growing a beard. I'm like, well, obviously I'm growing a beard. <laughs> it's a very um, slow growing beard from the middle. I'm like a 14 year old boy for the last three years. Well, it was. 
It was sort of the opposite. It was like I, I turns out I hated having a beard, so I just kept getting it smaller and smaller until I had just the soul patch left. Yeah, I guess you do have to look at the uh, the language in the bylaws <laughs> yeah. on what the definition of a yeah. beard is. Yes, <laughs> right. So uh, you are a man of all skills. I mean, you are, like we said, a yo-yo world champion. You're a juggler, spin top. And from what I know from you, it all sort of started with the yo-yo, right? Yeah, it was actually simultaneous, which is kind of amazing that uh, I got a yo-yo in my stocking for Christmas in high school. And the same day, a friend got a how to juggle book. So we started a juggling club. And I don't really know why, but like for some reason at that time, I felt like you know, juggling, that's the real thing. Yo-yoing. yo-yoing juggling just, gets all the ladies. Yo-yo's not going to take me anywhere, but yeah. juggling. Right. Yeah, yo-yoing is just dorking around. That's not a real thing. So we, like four, well, it was five of us initially put together a juggling show, like starting from the beginning. Two of the guys decided they wanted to be professional jugglers. So we put together a show. I did my first performance and in my high school in front of all of my friends, peers, and family. And, uh, and I loved it. But even still, at that moment, it was like, yeah, yo-yo, that's not for the stage. <laughs> now, how many of those people are still professional jugglers? Uh, one, you? One of them. <laughs> <All right>. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually, uh, yeah, no, two, including me. So um, Matt Henry is the oh, other oh, one. Oh, wow. Still yeah. full-time. He and I learned together. And in fact, I don't know if we still have any overlap, but because we started performing as a group and then we worked as a duo for many years... We have a couple lines that we wrote together that we both use. Oh, that's amazing. Ah. Yeah. Is it all about getting a yo-yo in a stocking at high school? It's it's what it's all about. It all comes back down to that stocking. Now, do you still have your first yo-yo? I do. It's broken. Coincidentally, Matt Henry, who's Mm -hmm. very competitive, challenged me to do around the world directly into Walk the Dog in homeroom in high school. So I hit the floor. It broke into two pieces. One went into the biology room and one went across the hall to the earth science room. And I had to go and retrieve each of them individually. But I kept it. Ah, that's amazing. So you're like, this is what they're going to write about on the yo-yo fandom site that I'm on. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So when was there like a conscious choice? When did like you realize that yo-yoing was a possibly a career? Like that is something that there was competitions with. You could actually make money doing that. You could tour with it. When did that sort of realization come about? Yeah, so it was kind of a gradual thing. When I um, so started with a group, then a duo, and then I was solo. And when I wrote my first solo show, I wrote all the routines into it that I had had to use everything that I could do in order to get a show that was almost 20 minutes long. Uh So I could juggle, I could do Diablo, and I was like, man, I need something. I guess guess I'll try some yo-yo tricks. So I I thought of myself as a professional juggler for a long, long time, even though I was doing tons of yo-yo in the show. Mm. And then the pivotal moment was when I was at a uh, showcase. So you guys know, but essentially a trade show for performers where Mm -hmm. clients come through and you try to sell yourself. Uh, That sounded bad, but (laughs) you try to get them to hire you. And a friend of mine introduced me to an agent that he worked with who got him a ton of work. And he said, hey, you know, this is my friend, Mark. He is a yo-yo guy. And my reaction was, oh, well, I mean, I'm a juggler, but I do some (laughs) yo-yo. And and she said, oh, you're a yo-yo guy. 
we don't have any yo-yo guys in the roster. I can get you a ton of work. We got a million jugglers, but no yo-yo guy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm a yo-yo guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause like, I actually see you that way. Like I've, you know, I've seen your show, I've done shows with you and I don't know if I've ever even mm-hmm. seen you juggle. I've always sort of just envisioned you as this yo-yo, like one of the best yo-yo players I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks. Yeah. And, and gradually juggling came out of my show because like I, I've always said about everything that it's important to follow the ebb and flow of your interest. Yes. And so I started to get more and more interested in doing yo-yo tricks and performing yo-yos. And, and once I also then realized that all basically all Americans have a an immediate understanding and affinity for a yo-yo. Well, we all have everyone a point of reference tried, to it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's tried it when they were a kid. They may or may not have been able to do it, but everyone recognizes it. And so it became a really beautiful and easy way to connect with my audience. I found that juggling just wasn't quite – it didn't have the same grab. Yes, I agree. Yep. Now, do you find that – I mean – like when you were a kid, people were like, oh, can you do the, you know, the baby cradle or whatever? Now, right. after shows, do people come up and ask you things like, can you do what that four-year-old kid did on YouTube? Are that they... does happen sometimes. Mostly, people can't remember the thing they saw well enough in order to be able to ask me to do it. Ah. But yeah, there was a, a period. Did you guys ever watch the uh, cartoon called Recess? No. No. Yeah, so it was a fun cartoon. It was about kids, and you know, most of it took place during recess at school. And in one of the episodes, the one of the uh, like the main girl character found a uh, yo-yo master, and he taught her a bunch of tricks so she could do stuff at the talent show. And one of the tricks was an amazing trick called the Invisible Man, where she would have two yo-yos, one in each hand. And then she'd jump out of her shoes. So her empty shoes are lying on the ground in front of her. She'd <laughs> shoot the yo-yos out one at a time, which would make the shoes lift up and walk as if they were attached to an invisible man. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. So I used to have people ask me all the time for invisible man. Like it doesn't, physics doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're disappointed. <laughs> I thought you were yeah, good. They would be really exactly. She's so disappointed. Now you left college to essentially do yo-yo professionally, right? You're making me sound a little tougher than I actually am. <laughs> well, because I saw that you went uh, to college, uh, the college for the easily amused, also well, known as yeah. the University <laughs> of Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there's there's so many wonderful things mixed together here. <laughs> so I I have to you know take off my the leather jacket that you have me wearing in your image of me and be slightly less cool. <laughs> I, I went to college like a normal person. I, I studied art. I did the five year plan so I could get a bachelor of fine arts instead mm. of just a bachelor of arts, which you know made no difference, but it was fun. Then in that time is when I joined the College for the Easily Amused, which was a skill toy club that my friend Dr. Popular started. Uh, <laughs> Self appointed. <laughs> yeah. So Doc Doc Pop is still out there. He is a yo yo innovator. Oh, he has cool. an award for yo yo innovation. Wow. 
So yeah, we'd hang out with college for the easily amused. But then I also went to grad school for a year and a half. And that's what I left to become a performer. Gotcha. That's when you rode your motorcycle yeah. out in the sunset and said, I'm out of here. Flip yep. the cigarette into the <laughs> oil can. Doing the loop-to-loop on the motorcycle. <laughs> exactly. You can do it as much as you want with your left hand. Keep that motor running. <laughs> but what was the offer? What was the yo-yo offer that you got to go do? I got booked for two trade shows, one in Chicago and one down in Orlando. And at the same time, grad school was terrible. I was having a terrible time. I probably shouldn't have gone to begin with. Um, and suddenly I got these two really sweet yo-yo gigs. And I was like, that's it, suckers. Yeah. I'm out of <laughs> here. <laughs> and it's like, I'm now the yo-yo trade show guy. I'm just going to work trade shows for my whole career. I didn't book another trade show for 10 years. <laughs> but you were living off those two trade show money <laughs> for 10 years. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> so I do trade shows all the time now. Like I'm actually circled back to it in my career and I have a trade show booth demonstrator again, which is great. I think I'm finally old enough and my hair is gray enough to be, to to have be taken authority. seriously. There's a weird gap between like the young spunky kid and mm -hmm. like presentable. Well, he looks like a college yeah. professor. He looks like a cool college professor. He's got the patches on right. his Right. Well, elbows. I do now. I literally do at the moment. <laughs> think of it. Now, you, so not only yo-yo, you also do spinning top, which I feel like yo-yo is kind of a gateway drug for the spinning top. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly right. Is, it, is that true? Because like everyone I know who does spinning top also was a yo-yoer or is a yo-yoer. Yeah. I think that there's something about the brains of yo-yo players and top spinners that's different than regular people. And part of it is there's, I think there's just a, a sort of innate attraction to things that spin. I don't really know why, but once you start yo-yoing, but you're like, Oh, that thing spins too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like yo-yo spinning looks... tops or whirling dervish. And <laughs> fidget spinners. Those yeah. are my options. <laughs> oh, I've watched videos of, all of those things far more than I want to admit. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, you talked a little bit about being a trade show presenter. You also speak. Mm -hmm. um, you've spoken at TEDx, which I'm assuming is the 10th TED Talk or a risque <laughs> TED Talk. <laughs> yes, there are the, the, the TED Talks, which I, I believe, actually, I don't really know their scenario, but for a long time, they were sort of uh, knighting smaller organizations to be able to do a TEDx or they could use the branding, but they were sort of on their own to, oh, to get gotcha. it done. And so, so I did a TEDx talk in Lawrence, Kansas, which was really cool. I bet. Mm -hmm. um, and it's possible, I think it might actually be the most nervous I have ever been in my entire life. It's because you're speaking to people who are academics and they're, they're, you're not there to entertain. You're more there to educate. Is that the story of the idea? Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize that TED stands for technology, entertainment, and something that starts oh. with D. <laughs> the mystery is out. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they have, they have two, two varieties of people who are there. Like, I could have been booked to come and do the Happy Fun Time yo-yo show. But, in fact, I was there as a speaker. And I was so nervous because, at that point, my speaker's presentation was still pretty new. I didn't know it super well. So I had been drilling it. I, I think I practiced it three times a day, every day for two weeks wow. leading up to the, uh, the presentation. And 
so I, I was nervous because it wasn't something you know like my my entertainment show I've done a million times yeah. like I can mm-hmm. I could do it right now it'd be fine and even if it wasn't fine it would still be fine yeah <laughs> and but I didn't have that kind of experience with speaking but also because it was TEDx I knew that no matter how it went it was going to go out to literally the entire world oh that's crazy yeah. And I had never had an audience that big before, because even with being on The Late Show, which, you know, it's it's a national broadcast. I know that it it airs internationally, but it's I don't feel like it's the same. Yeah, people aren't <laughs> people as like, tuned in internationally as they might, because that TEDx li- lives on the web. Yeah. And you can just Google, yeah. you know, you'll be put in some sort of like best of TEDx. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And also, even though Letterman was an incredible experience, I loved it. And, you know, if it, if it was still on the air, I would love to go back. I, in my experience, at least, I never got any work from uh, national TV appearances. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I knew that this TEDx spot had the real chance to make or break my speaking career. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah. I bet. You booked a Ted Z. Ted Z. <laughs> Ted Y. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All of the letters. And how did it go? Did yeah. you did you nail it? It was great. I bet. Yeah. What's, what's funny is, uh, like, I, I nailed it. And when I came off stage, I, I went behind the curtain. There just happened to be no one there. And I just threw my arms up, threw my head back <laughs> in silent celebration because I had nailed it. And I was so proud of myself. Yeah. Um, and then Ted But, walks of course, by. there were. Yeah. I was like, oh, hey, Ted. What does that D stand for? <laughs> I know. What's the D for? <laughs> So the thing is, you know, of course, because I wasn't 100% confident, I had a few moments where I flubbed something in a small way. I knew that really nobody could tell, but I could feel that I had mm-hmm. not done it right or I'd lost my place a little bit. And when the video finally came out online a few months later, my buddy, uh, National Yo-Yo Master Steve Brown, called me up. And Steve is very well known for not exactly putting his foot in his mouth, but for saying something that is maybe too true. Nah. <laughs> and he called me and was like, dude, I just watched your TEDx thing. I was like, yeah. He said, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> He's the only person in the world that could recognize something, how you messed up. The only one. Yeah. He's like, dude, why were you so nervous? <laughs> well, I think, like, you know, oh. I think your nerves is like, that's what I admire. Like, you know, I've been wa- all day. I've been watching a bunch of your videos and seeing mm-hmm. you live and seeing you on stage, like just the cool, calm demeanor in which you present yourself on stage is phenomenal. And the way well, you, it's just you speak with such clarity and you speak, you know, very calmly. It's I I would love to have that ability. So I would imagine <laughs> that you being uh, stressed out or nervous probably wouldn't show so, as much as you might think it would. Yeah. Or maybe someone that knows yeah. you would be able to tell yeah exactly nobody could tell like no one else said anything even when i asked them they're like no you look totally calm (laughs) he's like oh my god (laughs) that's a good friend right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i am very excited about asking you about this particular thing can you tell me Mm -hmm. about performing at the national mustard museum what yes (laughs) man if you have never been to the National Mustard Museum, your life is not complete. <laughs> That's like, what I feel like. Have you been down the mustard gas wing? 
Oh, <laughs> I think they keep that one closed. Yes, since '77. <laughs> so we have a gem right here in southern Wisconsin. Uh, I live in Madison. The National Mustard Museum is in Middleton, which is just one community to the west. And not only do they have a ton of mustard, as you might expect, but you can taste it all. You go in and they'll let you taste it. And what? then you can buy it and eat it on your own time. Wait, they produce and, mustard there also? Is that what? Uh, I don't believe that they're actually manufacturing it in the building, but they do have their own, you know, custom private label yeah. mustards, which are delicious. So they don't have like the 1974 Grey Poupon that was handed from the Rolls Royce to the other <laughs> Rolls Royce. You can taste that bad boy? <laughs> well, you know, they might because in the basement is a collection of mustard jars and apparently the world's largest collection of mustard pots. Oh. And I would bet that there's a vintage Grey Poupon jar in there with some scrapings on the inside. <laughs> so maybe. Well, that is on my list of places to perform. It's shot right up there. Yeah. <laughs> Once I read it, it existed. Yeah. I was like, that's at the top. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that in the Spam Museum. Oh, the Spam Museum's amazing. <laughs> Well, now I've now I suddenly just learned my life is not complete. <laughs> it's in Austin, Minnesota. No, uh, yeah, I think Austin, Minnesota. Yeah, and okay. since we're speaking about food, amongst our peers, you were considered the king of snacks. Yeah, it's true. How did that come about? Yeah, I was chatting with a friend who was going to be organizing the International Jugglers Association conference a few years back, and. I don't know exactly what the sequence of events was. The part that I remember is that my friend Jay Gilligan suggested that perhaps I should be in charge of the snacks. <laughs> so thanks for that, Jay. And uh, Dan Holzman, who's the organizer, is like, that's a great idea. I can even give you a budget. Oh. And within about 10 minutes, he had posted online a photo of me with a horribly photoshopped crown on my head saying <laughs> hey for this year at the convention for the first time ever we're gonna have a king of snacks oh that's amazing like i'm the snack czar yeah that's a great title yeah yeah it really is and <laughs> hilariously i got more attention and love from the juggling community for being the king of snacks than I have for anything I have ever done in my 30-year career. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, you on Letterman twice. That was whatever. Yeah. Ted Talk, whatever. <laughs> King of Snacks, you're my favorite. You're yeah. the best ever. Uh, please tell me you got like an Elvis like jacket that says the king on the back. <laughs> with, like Doritos around oh, it. <laughs> man, why did I not do that? <laughs> now, what kind of snacks did you get? Well, I, I had a budget, I think, of $150, and I managed to spread it out pretty well. I... <laughs> First of all, you know, to maximize your budget, you get other people to help you do your job, which is key. Mm -hmm. So I, I got I encouraged the jugglers coming from all regions of the country and the world to bring a famous snack from their region. Oh, that's oh. great. Yeah. So we, the first day or the first few days, we had some really cool things, you know, weird chips or special chocolates or dried salted snack fish that you eat whole like all kinds of stuff vintage gray poupon from the <laughs> yeah. mustard museum vintage yep vintage gray poupon with a straw <laughs> mm. and you know i tried to get a balance of some healthy stuff and some garbage and i also was going for whatever was cheap but yeah it was it was pretty successful is that where you also won a baking contest for your cookies is that the same place it was not the same place. Man, that, man this, is, this is one of my favorite things I've ever done, I have to say. 
<laughs> we, we thought there was a bake-off at the juggling convention. We thought this was going to be about performing. <laughs> this this podcast is all about food. So I believe, you know, sometimes surprises come from places you really don't expect. I believe that I got this from the American Automobile Association newspaper that pops into my mailbox every few months. <laughs> and I open it up and it said, things to do in your area. Burlington, Wisconsin Chocolate Fest Baking Contest. And I was like, yes. yes. So I'm a bit of a cookie snob. I love desserts. I like baking. And I have a recipe I came up with through much trial and error several years ago. And I was like, it's time to bust out Mark's crispy triple chocolate cookies. Damn straight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I baked them. I baked a whole batch and you had to submit, I believe, nine cookies. You'd be surprised if you're picking cookies for vanity, how many you're going to discard <laughs> in a normal batch. That, that one's more oval than round. Wait, did you bake yeah. them in? It was. Did you say it was in Vermont? No, Burlington, Wisconsin. Burlington, Wisconsin. Okay, so you baked them in, in Madison and then drove them over. Or did you stay exactly. the night there and make them there? You know, I, I considered doing that, but yeah. then I wouldn't have had all my tools. Yeah. So I wanted to have the right conditions for baking. So... I baked them at my house, and then my girlfriend, Christine, and I went to Burlington, Wisconsin. I submitted my cookies, and man, then the waiting began. I bet oh. you were nervous. And More like, nervous than TEDx. Like Christmas Eve for a kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And let me just ramp this up a little bit. There weren't just any old regular judges who were judging these cookies. There were two ladies in tiaras oh. on the judging panels. Cookie queens. So, yeah, there was... Uh, there was Fairs to the Fair, Racine County. Ooh. And then the other, I believe, was, uh, oh, what do they call it? Um, like Princess in Dairyland. Oh, I don't have the name off the top of my head. I'm sorry, but this is the real deal. And her tiara was huge. I bet. So the judging it's panel started. Cheese. They had a radio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Golden cheese. <laughs> you can dip, so... dip a tortilla chip into it every now and then. <laughs> So I was waiting in the audience while they're they're doing trivia to try to keep us from being so nervous. By the way, I want a bag of chocolate chips. I'm pretty proud <laughs> nice. of that. So I got to watch them deliberate, and I got to watch them eating my cookies. And they, you know, they kept their poker faces pretty cool. And then it was announced, and I won the category for best adult cookie. Best adult <laughs> cookie. Did you make them like the sexy mudflap lady <laughs> shaped? <laughs> You want a sexy cookie, it's I'll a, hook you up. It's important. Now, it, it helps to put dollar bills in the middle yeah. of the cookies. <laughs> now, can we back up a second? So, what, what was the magazine you, you read this in? Yeah, it was like AAA Road Trip or something. I don't, remember, I don't remember what it's called, but it just, as a member of the American Automobile Association, because I put 25 plus thousand miles a year in my car, yeah, I get the uh, club member magazine, and ah, sometimes huh. it can change your life. Apparently, I, you probably tear through cars. Like, well, I, I I am on my third Prius, but I so far I've I've gotten them generally up to to being in the quarter million mile club. Nice. Now, uh, you, but what about your vintage car that you're restoring? Is are you still doing that? Yeah, so it, it is. It, it's restored, but currently not running. Uh, <laughs> Everything's restored, <laughs> but the functionality. <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite way to put it is, oh, it runs. It's just not totally assembled. <laughs> it's a 1930 Model A Ford. Nice. Ooh, nice. And my grandfather bought it new in, I learned recently, 1931, which actually fits 
because my grandpa was extremely frugal, so he probably got it on sale. Mm. <laughs> and he knew my grandmother when he bought it, but they were not engaged yet. He proposed to my grandmother in that car. Oh, man. Yeah. That's and super... then please tell me later... you had that in the garage and not like out in the rain. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. It's in the garage. Okay. Yeah. Years later, he drove my grandmother to the hospital to give birth to my mom in the car. Man. Whoa. And then 15 years later, my mom learned to drive in the car. Wow. Was she also conceived yeah. in the car? <laughs> my grandfather was 6'3", and cars at that time were not known for being roomy, so yeah. I doubt it. <laughs> that is, that's phenomenal, man. I, want, yeah, I, want a, I need a story cool. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to go so well with my Ford Focus. <laughs> this is my grandpappy's <laughs> 19, 2012. It's been in my family. Since <laughs> 2019. My grandfather bought this Yugo New and he hated it. <laughs> Something, another thing I admire about you is that you're sort of the type of guy that you get an idea for something and you pursue it. You know, either the, the chocolate yeah. or the, the cookies, um, yo-yo mm -hmm. competitions. I mean, you're a speaker. You make a ton of really funny videos that you can check out. You had this daily Thanks. video show that you put out a trick every single day for 360 days called 360 Tricks. Uh, you had you've helped mm -hmm. start the fireside chat. You had your own sort of right. What were the five days off of the tricks? I was kind of waiting to correct. It's actually three sixty five. Okay. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> this a lot of this podcast is mostly the guests correcting me on my poor research. <laughs> I know this happens every time. Don't they worry. just got so much less exciting. Like, he took Christmas <laughs> off. Dude, they're so awesome. You got to take five days off, man. You got to. Some gotta, of them are so overwhelming. You got to process it for a day every now and then. <laughs> no, so three hundred sixty five <laughs> tricks. You got the fireside chat. Of course, you mm -hmm. did a one night only comedy variety festival that you toured around. You had the stunt lab. Yeah. And at some point there was you had some idea safari where people would come to you with ideas for certain things and you would sort of brainstorm stuff for them. So I admire the yeah. fact that you just like you come up with it, you pursue it, you make it happen and you come out on the other end. Maybe it's financially makes sense for you financially and you gain a little money, but you you gain experience and creativity doing all these like is that just part of your personality or is that just like, hey, listen, I've always committed to see out my ideas. Like, what is that? I, I love creativity and I love coming up with stuff. And part of my personality is that I do not shy away from the, the long haul. And that shows in being a juggler and being a yo-yo guy, you know, any, anything that requires sticking to it and you know, dogged determination. Like, man, I'm, I'm all over that. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't fully understand the power of one person, mm. that there are so many things in the world, even enormous enterprises that would not have happened without one person saying, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So like with the, the one night only comedy and variety festival, my buddy, Jonathan Burns is like, Hey man, I've always wanted to do a festival where you could tour around and work with a bunch of friends is like, let's do it. He's like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> okay. And you know, it's funny cause I hadn't really thought about it, but once you went through that list like that, yeah, I've done a lot of things. Yeah. It's and it's a amazing. lot of content and just a lot of just creative output from you. And it's crazy yeah. that such a creative person has like one of the most generic names. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, I, when I Googled you, it was like, do you mean? And so there's apparently a guy at the CDC that's pretty high up. Yeah. 
There's a uh, okay. union leader, the Nestle Cocoa Plan ambassador, and a custom garage builder. Mm. Ooh. And you beat them all out in the wow. SEO. <laughs> it's funny. I don't know any of those dudes. Uh, I know an IT guy named Mark Hayward in New Jersey. We have a, a standing appointment to have coffee that hasn't happened yet. Oh, that's amazing. Gets a lot of my email. Yeah. Well, there's there's someone that has my name as their email at Gmail, my legal name, Uh, and my wife uh always emails him. So he like we have this relationship, (laughs) side relationship. (laughs) We both. So me and this guy's he's like your wife. I think wanted to send me these, and (laughs) it's got your social security number in it. So your wife wanted to know where you were last night. I told her that you were with me. So you've never gotten that gig at the CDC, and and then like you show up and like, oh, they're expecting the uh, top doc over there. No, although you know, one time when I googled myself, I found a sculptor in Chicago, and and that's my background. That my college education was in sculpture and metalsmithing, so I still do sculpt stuff. And uh, I was looking at this guy's work, and none of it was stuff that I would have made, but all of it was stuff that I could have made. Ooh, sort of. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, this is weird. It's like meeting my doppelganger from another universe. That's awesome. Now, you yeah. mentioned earlier the One Night Only Comedy and Variety Festival. Now, this is this is mm-hmm. for the Moisture Festival. Uh, you did it, – it It was multiple nights kind of through the Midwest with, you know, five, six mm-hmm. uh, different variety acts. And what was that right. like compared to the Moisture Festival, like – putting that on did you did that happen before you had come to the moisture festival or after yeah it happened before i had come to the moisture festival i'd heard about moisture festival for years and everyone you know all the performers were just raving saying it's the greatest thing ever and i think that probably was part of the reason why jonathan had the idea to do a festival of our own mm-hmm. on the other side of the country and it, it's interesting because for the performers Obviously, the shows are great fun. I mean, everybody can see that. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of the greatness for the performers is getting to spend so much time with other performers. So being backstage or, you know, going out and seeing sites with people who you've just met or who you've known for many years. And so what made the one night only festival so fun was that we got to spend so much time with our friends. And we had to use our friends for the shows because we weren't sure that we'd be able to make any money. Yeah. And that turned out to be the main difference between One Night Only and Moisture Festival is that we were not able to bring in the crowds the way that we had hoped. Yeah. Wow. You were, you're like four walling, like renting theaters or were you having theaters yeah. sort of put money forward or you were just split tickets? It was, it was anything that we could get. So yeah. um, the reason that the festival happened to begin with is that we had a great relationship with the theater called The Strand in Zillianople, Pennsylvania, just north of Pittsburgh. And they just booked us straight out and, and paid us a, a, a fair fee. Good. And yeah. that money essentially funded the entire tour. It was your anchor. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so we had some other venues that were giving us, you know, 100 bucks or zero bucks, or we're paying them for use of the theater. Uh, some of them were door split. Some of them we would... Um, either rent a space or sometimes get a space for free and try to bring people in and sell tickets. And it was worthwhile to do it in that it was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, But financially, no, it was not a bust. We made money every year, but not much. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, it's very similar to the moisture festival in the sense that, you know, the performers don't get paid a lot of money to do their act, Mm -hmm. but really it's about the shows. It's about the camaraderie and that's why they get, you know, 
such amazing acts like yourself to yeah. come out is because of that. And uh, right. so in a lot of ways you succeeded yeah. in not being able to pay yeah. the acts and <laughs> having a cool performing <laughs> scenario. <laughs> we had planned to do it for five years and on year five, we would decide if we were going to try to do it anymore. And year four happened and I moved out of Pennsylvania. So we just let it rest. Yeah. Now, how did you end up in the Moisture Festival? A, a lot of friends had recommended that I should try to do it, especially Jonathan Burns. He was the one who was the most adamant about it. Which is funny because Jonathan and... has not been to the Moisture Festival. <laughs> He's like, you would be great. Is Me, not so much. I don't think he has, no. Wow. Huh. Well, I, I, I also did um, the sort of what brought it all together was that I did my first Buskers Festival in Burlington, Vermont. And a lot of the people there were talking about Moisture Festival because part of what makes Buskers Festival's good is that same camaraderie that you get to spend whatever it is, two, three days with a bunch of really cool people. And uh, Tim First is one of the organizers of the Burlington Buskers Festival. So I knew that I had to have someone on the selection board for Moisture Festival see me in person yeah. mm-hmm. in order to vouch for me. You got to kiss the Moisture ring. Festival. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> I had, I think I had even written in the past, perhaps, maybe applied, but nobody had seen me in person because I don't get out that way very often. But here, Tim first fell into my lap and said, hey, Tim, come see one of my shows this weekend. I want to be in Moisture Fest. And he said, all right, and uh, checked it out. And then I got an invitation. That's amazing. amazing. And what do you think? What was your overall experience? You've been to Moisture Festival twice, I believe. Well, (laughs) I've been to Moisture Festival once. I've been invited twice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't quite happen this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in fact, it's it's so frustrating because Moisture Festival was my first gig to cancel for the pandemic. Yeah, well, because it happened like so. Just a quick asterisk on this: if you're listening to this in the future, we're recording this in what month is it? October. Uh, October of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> That's how rough the pandemic has been. You don't even know what month it is. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're knee-deep in the COVID pandemic right now. Yes. Uh, and, you know, 2020, the Moisture Festival was canceled. And so, and Mark had a tour booked out here because I had him yeah. booked for a show. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I mean, that's chaos. Yeah. And, you know, everyone who canceled, I believe I had three gigs so far lined up. And everyone who canceled, it was absolutely the, the right decision. There's uh-huh. no doubt about it. But it was, you know, the first thing that got canceled for me in the pandemic. Yeah. So the one yeah. year you came, how, yeah. <laughs> how was it? I loved it. I could not have loved it any more than I did. Awesome. It was so good on so many levels. It, it was what I needed right at that moment. I needed that spark of energy and joy mm-hmm. to remind me of how much I love performing. Yeah, um, it really is great. And also I was both emceeing and in some shows I was just a regular act. And I, I do a lot of emceeing. I love it. But I also love the chance to just do my act because um, emceeing is a ton of work. Yeah, yeah. it is a very and, thankless job. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and you're you're basically working the entire show. So it does cut down on the hangout time with the other act. Yeah, so I was very glad to be able to do both. I mean, I really do love emceeing, but it's also nice to not have to work quite so hard some nights. But it's good that <laughs> yeah, you got to do but both. It was great. It was a little bit overwhelming initially because you know coming into something that is so well established and has so much history and, and 
honestly, so many people who already know what they're doing. Yeah. And so I, I came in on that first night being, you know, in some ways, as you said, in charge of the show, but not really knowing what the show was like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not knowing what you're getting in yourself into. Yeah. 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 It Did it live up to your sort of expectations? Yeah. Moisture Fest far exceeded my expectations. Nice. Yeah. I thought it would be fun. And I, you know, I thought I would enjoy myself and, and have a good time in the city. But, you know, I, I got rolling with a pack of other performers and we went shopping and we went to the fish market yeah. and we did all this cool stuff. The family I was staying with was very nice and conveniently lived uphill from the theater. So a bunch of times I just rented one of those electric bikes and uh, I went 90 miles an hour down the hill <laughs> and did my shows. That's awesome. What I, you know, what I love about the moisture festival is like, sometimes when I'm in the show, I'm like, I'm looking around at the other acts. I'm like, I have been watching these people for 15, 20 years. And now I'm in a show mm -hmm. with them. It's like, yeah. I sort of like, don't feel like I necessarily belong. It's kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. One of the nights that I was on, um, Gazo was there. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And a uh, magician and street performer. And he's someone who I had heard about literally my entire career. And I had the chance to work with him maybe 15 years ago. I didn't see a whole lot of his act just because of the timing of the, the festival I was at. But, you know, I did get to see a little bit and, and see how great he was. And so I asked him in advance, do you want me to say anything in particular to introduce you? He said, say whatever you want. Great. And for people who don't know who Gazo is, he has a very uh, aggressive style. Yeah. Very, mm -hmm. um, how else would you describe it? It's not, demeaning isn't the right word. He's, but it's, he's, he's English. He's a little abrasive. Yes. A little uh, yeah. edgy, has a little raunch to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and he's a masterful entertainer. Yeah. So when he said, say whatever you want, my go-to is to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I went out there and I told the story, like, you know, I've heard about him my entire career. I finally got to work with him. He's a master. So, so, so good. So great. You're going to be so pleased. Ladies and gentlemen, Gazo. And I was introducing him again the next night. And he's like, don't say any of that. <laughs> <laughs> say whatever you want, except what except you said last, <laughs> last night. Yeah. <laughs> Like, just say my name. Like, oh, all right. Like, I don't want to be built up. I don't want people to like me. Like, okay. I like he's one of the few performers. Like, I want to start with an adversarial relationship <laughs> with the audience. Yeah. The more they hate me, the better. Yes. Right. That's amazing. Well, we it was a it's a treat to have you. You know, come the one year and hopefully you know Moisture Festival we can have you back. Yes. And, uh, that people can come out and yeah. see your wide array of skill toy masteries, including the massive wombat trap. Yeah. I believe you're the only yeah. man in the world that works with wombat traps. I I think so. <laughs> How many have you ever caught? Uh, none, but. <laughs> The statement wasn't the only man who catches wombats. It works with <laughs> wombat traps. <laughs> and uh, another cool thing you can check out about Mark is markhayward.net, which is his website. He's on all the social sites, Instagram, Facebook. He's got a DVD called My Awesome DVD. Yep. And it has a soul patch <laughs> on full display. <laughs> In all of its glory. And you can also see him uh, on a full page spread. He has his own page in the Guinness Book of World Records. His own page. Wow. Just a bunch of mark yeah. on one page. It's, all it's a records. centerfold. <laughs> it folds it out. Folds out. <laughs> so many records. <laughs> what, what year was that? That was, it's actually the current book. Oh, so nice. It's the 2020 book. And I have 
two records in the book. Uh, well, I guess I have two records. Um, I have the most spin tops spun simultaneously and furthest distance to walk the dog with a yo-yo. Oh, that's cool. And how long was far was that? Well, this was the fun part is that the record had been set at, I believe it was 22 and a half feet by my friend Aaron Sparks in England. And I called him up and said, dude, I'm going to break your record and we're going to have an international incident. And he said, bring it on. So I set it for 24.7 feet. Nice. And, and as I said that, I think I may have given you the wrong number, but that doesn't. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you, you want to break it by just a little, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing a lot of people don't understand is like, yeah, I'm going to break a record and I'm going to crush it. No one will ever be able to beat me again. But that's not fun. Yeah. It's way more fun to go back and forth with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I just looked it up. So I had the I just happened to have the book handy here. <laughs> I carry it in my backpack around my house. Oh, I have the page tattoo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's my tramp stamp. Yeah. Yeah. I just happened to know the page number by heart. And I, it turns out I did twenty seven feet two inches. Nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. It's way better than twenty four seven. Oh yeah. Yeah, and they're doing sure. there's a meters. I mean it's yeah. all it's all confusing. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. So, so check, get that book, and there's a whole like display of Mark. What's the page number? Awesomeness. Page one hundred three. One hundred three. Oh, look at that. He's in the triple digits too. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how good I am. So, did is there anything we missed, Mark, that you wanted to talk about? That I mean, if I didn't wax on enough about the awesomeness of Moisture Fest, it's <laughs> no, awesome, you're, you're... and I cannot wait to come back. Yeah, man, we just want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast again, MarkHayward.net, and he's got lots of swag out there, yo-yos, all sorts of cool stuff that you can check out and consume. And I highly recommend yeah. the 360 tricks. Yeah, <laughs> plus five, <laughs> plus five. A good thing to mention would be if people want to learn how to yo-yo, I have a YouTube channel. You youtube.com slash mark hayward and i've got a how to yo-yo video i've got a bunch of how to yo-yo videos but my beginner tricks video is now over a million views wow, wow. that's awesome congrats so they can check that out and learn how to be a champ that's almost <laughs> as cool as the mustard museum almost <laughs> so close <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mark. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Yep. Hope to catch you at the next festival. Yes. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. We want to thank you for listening to the Moisture Festival podcast. If you haven't bought tickets yet for the festival, you can do that at moisturefestival.org. You can also find out information about volunteering or supporting it financially as well. Just click on the contribute button. You can also find Moisture Festival. They are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you want to check out more details on any of those social network sites. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we do a podcast together that is completely different than this podcast and it is called the odd and off beat podcast and you can find that on any platform that you get your podcasts at if you would like to find out information on louie and i's shows you can do so by visiting louie's site which is louie fox with two x's Dot com. And Matt Baker's site, comedystuntshow.com, spelt the way you would expect it to be spelled. Yes. 
And we want to thank all the volunteers, performers, sponsors, donors, board members, producers of the Moisture Festival for helping make this thing happen. Absolutely. A lot of moving parts, and they do a wonderful job at creating a very unique experience that you cannot get anywhere else. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.